Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This is God's word for us today. I need to confess something and that is that I can't help it, I judge a book by its cover. I actually do. And being a printer by trade formally, I'm so fussy about how things look. It's just how I was trained. I like a book with a nice embossed title, good use of colours and an eye-catching image that really grabs my attention. Or unfortunately, I just don't want to read it unless it's got those things. At, at, at ALC, while I was studying, it, there was nothing worse for me than the lecturers telling me to go to the book and read a lot. Uh, go to the uh, go to the book. Go to the library to read a book. And when I got there and I checked out the shelves. I discovered this ragged, worn-out book with ugly brown pages and bad printing on angles and not cut and guillotined properly. It's really hard for me to make a make a start and even read that book. It just put me off. And this is a problem. It's not the book's problem, it's my problem. It turns out that that book with the ragged brown pages, the not-so-catchy title and the old book smell turned out to be one of the best books I'd read in seven years of study. And I could have easily missed out on it because I didn't like how it presented on the shelves. Now, if that's how I pick my books, what are my prerequisites when I'm voting or looking for a leader? What do you look for in a leader? You answered very nobly before. That's good, I'm pleased. But it seems to me that there are a lot of people in Australia who pick their leaders like I pick my books. Isn't that why politicians... Uh, spend so much money, massive money, to smear each other's images on those TV ads when it's coming up to election uh, to make themselves look good and to make the other person look unappealing. Did you know politicians and leaders these days have image consultants? Did you know that? I didn't know that till a few years ago. An image consultant, it's a new career that came about because we judge a book by its cover. All the statistics show it and the politicians and the CEOs and the high flyers of this world, they know it. They know that they have to wear the right clothes and the right brands. They have to have the right hairstyle. They know they have to accessorise to please. We want to see that. And if the image is up to spec, like it or not, agree with it or not, statistically, they're going to have a much better chance of getting elected or getting ahead in their career or getting us on board to support them in their cause. It's sad but true. So what on earth, what on earth was God thinking sending Jesus into Jerusalem on a donkey? What was he thinking? They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them and Jesus sat on them. No motorcade, no royal procession, no golden chariot, just a man on a donkey. Are you serious, Lord? Is that what people expected? Is that what the people even wanted? When Jesus, when Jesus had fed 5,000 people with five barley loaves and two small fish, the people were ready to take him by force and make him a king. After all, we want our kings to be powerful and to make our lives easier and Jesus had shown promise in both areas. But now Palm Sunday presents us with a puzzling scene. The Son of God rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Couldn't he have done better than that? 
Couldn't he have trotted in on a Clydesdale or the winner of the Jerusalem Cup that year or just something better? Couldn't he have given us a bit of glitz and a bit of dazzle, a bit of bling? We want our leaders to do great things but we also want them to look the part. On Palm Sunday, did Jesus look the part? What does Isaiah say about Jesus? He says, He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him and we esteemed him not. Jesus was not the ruler the world wanted. When he was born in Bethlehem's manger, when he was brought up in lowly Nazareth, even when he humbly rode into Jerusalem, he was telling us and everyone one thing. He was telling us that he was no ordinary king. No ordinary king. He didn't come to bring political peace. He didn't come to raise wages or make you wealthy or to drop income tax or to fix our hospital or healthcare systems. Instead, his lowly entry into Jerusalem serves as a snapshot of the lowly work he was about to carry out there. You know, Jesus may not be the king the world wanted. He may not be the king the world expected or even hoped for. But he is exactly, he is exactly the king the world needs. So let's set the scene because the Passover was just a few days away and Jerusalem would have been filled with copious numbers of visitors coming into town for the celebration. But this particular day was filled with a little bit more electricity than normal. And there would have been this great buzz in the, in all around town. Jesus was coming. He was the one who did so many miracles. Amazing. He was the one who raised Lazarus from the dead in the little town just two two miles away. Now he's coming here. This morning at the early service, he was the one that uh, saved a little girl by the name of Aisha Jane as she was baptised at the font there. Maybe you can imagine. Some people were a bit curious Others were excited. Some were already meeting together thinking about how they might trap him, thinking about how they might kill Jesus. But even amongst all the different opinions, all the different emotions that day, even amongst all the different activities and festivities of a Passover celebration, things unfold just as Jesus planned and expected them to. He was in control from the very beginning Know for certain today that it wasn't any accident that the disciples went to the village and found the donkey and the colt nearby. That was no accident. It wasn't by coincidence that 500 years earlier Zechariah had predicted a king riding into Jerusalem on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was no accident. He may look like a man on a donkey and nothing more, but this is the Son of God, the long-awaited descendant of David, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the one who is Lord. And so as Jewish families are thinking about selecting their lambs for the upcoming Passover sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the Lamb of without blemish and defect, handpicked by the Father of heaven and earth, rides into Jerusalem on his own terms and in his own way. See, your King comes to you. He'll not come to spill the blood of his enemies but to shed his own blood. He would not come to overthrow the oppressive Roman rule but to throw off the oppression of sin. He will not come to wear a jeweled crown and to sit upon a golden throne 
but a crown of thorns and his throne is a cross. See, your king comes to you. This is what the world needs, a sin bearer. If we had no sin to take away, we'd have no need for Jesus, would we? If our thoughts were always pure, the Lamb of God would not need to be led to the slaughter. If our motives were always holy and praiseworthy and honourable, the Holy One of God, Jesus, would not need to be punished. If all our deeds were always noble and selfless and upright, the King, the King would not need to ride into Jerusalem and face such a terrible, terrible fate. See, your King comes to you. He's a King like no other the world has ever seen. He let little children interrupt his meetings with his inner circle of disciples. He let people like Zacchaeus and Mary Magdalene taint his public image when he hung out and ate with them. He let crippled and deformed people monopolise his time because he valued them the same way he values the life of every single person. What kind of king is this? What kind of king is Jesus? He's your king. He's your king who's in control of all things. He knows every single tiny detail of your life. He's your king. He knows about the doctor's appointment. He knows about the diagnosis or the surgery. He knows about the big decision that you have to make. He knows about the hurt that you carry around with you and he comes to give you strength. He's your king who comes to you not with shallow displays of pomp and circumstance but with his ironclad, unchangeable and rock-solid promises. He's your king. He doesn't put you on hold or ask you to take a number or to wait in line. He invites you to come to him anytime in prayer. He invites you to come to him anytime in his word because he's always there for you. And he invites you to come and receive him in bread and wine this morning as well. See, your king comes to you. He's your king who empties himself so you can be filled with every good blessing. See your king, no ordinary king, comes to you today. Will you also come to him? Will you receive him like the people at Jerusalem? Will you praise him in song? Will you wave palm branches? Or will you hold Jesus out at arm's arm's length where he can't affect you? Will you hold him out there and not come to him? Will you distance yourself from Jesus the King today? What about this week? What does this encounter with your King mean for your life? And what does it mean for your interaction with others this week, today, tomorrow, all through Holy Week? Well, as we worship here, gathered as, as Jesus, as the King's royal priesthood of believers, as we listen to his word willingly and enthusiastically, as we make decisions that are God-pleasing and adopt attitudes that are Christ-like and God-honouring, what happens? What happens is that we're shouting loudly and clearly and directly in our context and our calling in life, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Do you know what Hosanna means? No? We sing Hosanna, what does it mean? 
Hosanna is a victory cry. When we come to communion later on, we're going to use these words. It's in one of our uh, Lutheran service orders. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Where our King comes to us in bread and wine. It's a victory cry. It's a cosmic victory cry of the church because Jesus saves us. Hosanna. Jesus saves. Victory. This is the victory cry of people who follow Jesus and who know and trust in what their king has secured for them. So what kind of king are you expecting this week as we approach Maundy Thursday, Good Friday and Easter Sunday? What kind of king are you expecting? A king who needs an embossed title, eye-catching colours or an image consultant? Is that your kind of king? Or Jesus? king on a donkey, a servant king heading towards the cross for you and for me. Think about that this week. What kind of king are you expecting? Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus, your Lord, your Saviour and our King. Amen.